You know what we do? Because we believe the Bible is the Word of God, every week we, we honor the Word of God and the man or woman that's bringing the Word that morning. So let's stand up together and give honor to my son, Pastor Josiah, as he comes to share the Word of the Lord with us today. All right. Am I unmuted? All right, cool. Good morning. Really? Will someone grab me that pulpit back there? Like, this isn't going to work, sorry. That pulpit's right in that closet. So they got to throw me up here this week, right, with everything going on. They're like, here, Josiah, you preach this week. This is an easy one. Um, how many think the world's slightly chaotic at the moment? Yeah? Let me pray before anything else, because Lord knows I need and we need the Holy Spirit, yeah? Father, we thank you again for an opportunity to come to hear what your word has to speak to us. Father, give us wisdom, give us insight. We remove our own wills and we ask for your will, whatever that would be. Father, I just pray for soft hearts in this congregation today. Father, we're going to talk about a topic that is not easy, that is difficult. Father, where there may be some pride that needs to be torn down, but God, open us up for whatever it is. We need mind change. We need heart change. Father, we need peace, and we need to be the catalyst for that peace because you have called us as image bearers to reflect your glory and to change this world. Father, we're done sitting idly by. We're ready to make a change for you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Much better. So let's go. We're continuing our sermon in Hebrews, and oddly enough, God does this weird thing where, like, the scripture I'm teaching on is exactly what we need to hear today for what's going on. So I want everyone to turn. Dad ended at chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11. I'm going to pick up in, on Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 is where we're going to start today. So turn there with me right quick. Anybody in here friends with me on Facebook? Whew. Sorry. I know I can be a little bit passionate. Um, here's the verse. Hebrews chapter 12, or 4 verse 12 says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul, and of the spirit of joints and of marrow, in discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And chapter 13 says this, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now the first thing I'm going to ask you is when you read that, do you think that that sword that's piercing to the divisions of the heart and exposing your true intentions, do you think they're talking about how awesome you are? Do you think that's what it's saying? There's no person, right, no friend of yours, no family member that knows the depth of your heart and your true intentions. The only person who knows that is Jesus Christ, right? The word of God. See, a lot of people, a lot of scholars, they're like, when they talk about the sword or the word of God, is it talking about Jesus himself or is it talking about the Bible? Well, we know that the word calls Jesus the word in flesh, right? It's one and the same. It's both. So what we, what we know from this verse is that the only person that knows the deep, true intentions of our hearts is Jesus. And the way to figure out what that is is by reading and studying this word. 
Now, here's the thing. There's two ways to read the Bible. One is I'm going to wake up in the morning, I'm going to open it up, I'm going to read some stuff, check it off my list, and go about my day. Then we, or we can read the stories and put yourself in those stories and be like, why is God saying this? What is he saying? And quickly we see that we are the people in this story. From Genesis to Revelation, it's talking about us. Jesus came to die because we failed. We are in the place of Adam who originally ate the apple. You understand that? This is generational. We've been sinners since the very beginning and we still are. This word of God still exposes areas of our heart that are evil and wicked. Nobody likes to hear that, but that is the truth. And he gave us this word to show us because guess what? As soon as we come enlightened to that fact, now we can change it. It's not without hope, right? He exposes it so we can repent, offer up freely, say, God, I know this is an area I need to change, and now I want to change it. Do we understand that? The day you're saved does not mean the day you become perfect. The day you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, is not the day where you no longer do wrong. It is the day that you accept the free sacrifice of his death because you're a sinner. You see the difference? I want to make sure you understand that. So, there's two ways we can read scripture. It says the sword, right? Piercing, what's the exact phrase? I'll read it again. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit and of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions. So what it means by there is piercing two divisions is this. You can read the, God in, the word of God in two ways. You can condemn yourself with the word of God or you can push yourself to salvation. Here's what I mean. If the word of God tells you not to lie, you see, and it does, clearly, right? It says don't lie. And then tomorrow you turn around and say, okay, I'm not lying anymore, I'm not going to lie. And then you lie. You've just heaped condemnation on yourself. Or you read it and you realize, man, sometimes I do lie. Thank God for a savior. That's pushing me into salvation. And we still have Christians today reading it the incorrect way. They read the word of God, they see these rules, these laws, and they heap them onto people, and they live from a legalistic mindset. We read it, and we say, we are these people, we deal with these sins, and it's pushing us more into salvation. You see the difference? I'm going somewhere with this. So, there's a thing in the Bible, and it's from Genesis to Revelation, through the whole thing, and it's something that us Americans don't grapple with well. We are very, very individualistic. Here's what I mean. There's a thing in the Bible that's called generational sin. You can read about it in Daniel. In Daniel 9, Daniel repents for the sins of his forefathers. You can read it all through the Psalms. David repents for the sins of his forefathers. Right? You can read it all over Scripture. When we repent, we don't just repent for me. We repent for the generations before us. Why is that? You are not just a product of yourself. You're a product of your upbringing. Does that make sense? Like, I didn't wake up and just become a certain way. My parents and my generations before me raised a certain way. My environment, my atmosphere, my family, my people created me a certain way. You see God actually punish whole families in the Bible because one person committed a sin. For us today, we read that as Americans and we're like, that's messed up because just the one guy did it. Right? Admit that that's how we think, right? But no, we are part of a generation, a people. And where do you think I'm going with this? 
Will you put that slide up? Will you put up that slide? Of, um... Gosh, that makes me emotional. You see that guy? As white people, we have to admit that we are part of the problem. That we were part of the problem. That for 250 years, we held them in slavery. 50 years ago, we said they're not animals anymore and they can ride on the same bus as us. That they can use the same restroom. But we want to walk around and pretend that we're not part of the problem. What are you talking about? I never owned any slaves. But our people did. And until the people that are in power, the majority, make a change, you'll never see change. And as Christians, the gospel message is this. I'm willing to repent and say, you know what? Because I have freedom to in Christ. I have freedom to say I messed up. My people messed up. I've turned a blind eye to it a thousand times, and I'm not doing it anymore. George Floyd, there he is with the Bible. And if you read about his past, it's, it's just crazy. Because, of course, he's a guy that started Bible studies and everything else, and it just kills you. But if you watch that video, if you watch that video with that man sitting on his neck, gasping for air, didn't budge, didn't move. In fact, you see him actually press a little bit harder. That is an evil that is so beyond comprehension. And if you don't see that, there is something wrong. And now the, I got in a controversy on Facebook, and you probably saw it. Oh, the riots. I want you to understand something. No one thinks that rioting and hurting people or ruining businesses is the perfect way to solve this issue. No kidding. But what do you expect when you've oppressed the people for so long that they're desperate? When you've held people in poverty for this long, you expect them to react perfectly? To walk like Jesus did? Does that make any sense? This is the result of what we've done for hundreds of years. And as Christians, it's time to own up to it. Well, I got intense really fast. So there's a definition of love, and I want you to understand something. The Bible says this. The whole law is wrapped up into two things. Love the God, Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not going to bust him out. He said it completely unintentionally. But a friend of mine, we were talking the other night, and he made a statement. He goes, I don't, I don't have this problem with black people. I don't hate black people. And it's funny because I was sat there immediately when he said it, and I go, it's interesting to think that like, we don't define racism as racist when we say that we don't hate black people. Are we called to not hate people? Or are we called to love people? You see, love wills the good for other people. You know the black person that you see that doesn't act like you, dress like you, talk like you? Do you will the good for that person when you come in contact with them? Or are you repulsed by them because they're different than you? If you're honest, you're gonna, you're, there's a little bit of repulsion there, and there is in me. I still catch myself dealing with this stuff because I prefer certain cultural ways. And when I'm uncomfortable in something that isn't exactly how I think it should be, I can very quickly turn from that. And we all can. So here's a definition of love by Dallas Willard. The will for the good of others. This is not delight. You don't like everything that you love. Love is the foundation 
of the spiritual life. We have to get to a place, guys, where people that are different than us, when we see rioters doing things that we don't love, we see the person. Jesus came into the mess. He came into the sin, and he loved them, and he wanted good for them. Is that where we are? Right? I see a whole town of people last night. Me and my wife drove downtown Davenport, and I saw a whole town of people with masks and signs because of what happened to George Floyd in this situation, and I try to look at them like Christ looked at them. Are they perfect? Are they responding perfect? I don't really care. They're people, and I want the good for them, and they're hurt. I've never been oppressed for 50 years or 100 years or whatever. I haven't been oppressed my whole life. How I would respond in this situation, if I was in their shoes, I do not know. But if you're white, you don't get to say much about it. Do you get it? I'm sick of white people posting stuff about the rioters and how wrong it is. That's super stupid. I want to talk about some just hard facts. Because I want us to be a church that is enlightened to this reality, and I want us to be a church that stands for change. And if you are offended, I'm sorry, I will talk to you after church. I promise you this is from a place of love, but I'm kind of sick of all of it. There's two stats I want to show. Among racial and ethnic groups, African Americans had the highest poverty rate, 27.4%, followed by Hispanics at 26.6%, and whites at 9%. Black people are three times more likely to be in poverty. But they don't act like us. I wonder why. Can you imagine growing up in a neighborhood where the only people that had a better lifestyle than you were people that were dealing drugs? The only people that had the nicer clothes, the nicer cars, the nicer houses were people doing drugs. What do you think that you'd want to do? Right? I'm not saying that's a reality for all black people, but a large percentage. And why are they like, like that? Because we move them from slavery, then we push them into their own neighborhoods. And we say, you can't be over here with us, you've got to be over there. We don't give them the same opportunities that we have. But then we wonder why they're that way. Does that make logical sense? Like, Another one, 45.8% of young black children under the age of six live in poverty, compared to 14.5% of white children. Almost 50% of black kids grow up in poverty. Guys, I refuse to believe that's just because black people are different. That's not true. It's because we, in the sins of our past, have held a people in a place, not giving them the same opportunity. Every time they've tried to fight for better opportunity, we refused it. I mean, for crying out loud, guys, and I'm not trying to get political here, we freaked out because someone kneeled at a football game. We freaked out. And I don't care who you vote for, I'm never going to preach a president from the, the pulpit. I want you to understand that. I just want to fix this issue, and I want to change our hearts towards this issue. It's interesting, so since I, if you follow me on Facebook, since I, post, I posted a post about people saying stuff about riots, and I guess I have a unique ability to stir pots. Um, <laughs> and so I stirred the pot, and I've gotten just comment after comment after comment. Um, I had a black girl call me that used to come to my gym. She asked if she could call me. I said, sure. She called me and said, hey, I just want to let you know that I came to your gym for years. I loved it. You were always amazing to me. But I want, you to, I want to explain something to you. I would come, and I would bring my kids and then our 9 a.m. class was always full of moms. 
And she said a, a couple times a week they would always go to Dunn Brothers and they'd bring their kids to hang out. And I wanted so bad to be a part, but they just never would invite me. No one was racist to me. No one mistreated me at class. But my kids were there. They knew I worked. I stayed at home. Why was I never asked to come? And it hurt her so bad that she just couldn't keep coming. And she told her husband, like, I love this place so much. I love the owners. I love the people. I just, why am I not invited? And you guys see that little thing right there that we so easily overlook. And by the way, this was a successful, well-dressed, wealthy black person. It's inside of us more than we realize. We so easily overlook because it's different and not the same as we are. I had another one, and this one's kind of, they don't come to our church, so I'm not calling them out, but I had a, I've had multiple white people as well message me on Facebook, and here's what most of them do. Here's the reason that I am towards black people, and they start listing the things wrong with black people. They do this, they do that, they do this, they do that, and I'm just, I'm blown away that they don't see, I, I ask the question, why? Why do they do those things? Do you really believe that innately they're just more evil than white people? Because that's what you're implying by saying what you're saying. Or do you think they've had less opportunity in their life than we have as white people? You're a product of your environment more than you realize, guys. Sin is generational. They grow up a certain way. How do you expect them to act differently? And we are the ones in power. Why do I say that? Because we're the majority. We're the ones that can make a real change. We're the ones with the most money. We're the ones that have to change structure in systems if we ever see it differently. Anyone hate me yet? I want to give you an illustration. Here's a very simple illustration that I heard one of my favorite pastors, Tim Keller, say when it comes to racism in our, in our country. So there's a white guy, and he owns a car dealership. And what he does is he starts to, like, follow trends and keep data on who do they sell the most of, like, they have a big margin in, the, in how much money they can make on a, a used car, right? Say, let's say you get a $5,000 car, you have $3,000 to play with. You can sell it for eight, six, whatever. You guys see what I'm saying? They have a margin. What they learn is that females don't negotiate as well as males. So they try really, really hard to sell the females because they make more money on cars to females. And then what they realize is black women specifically are the worst at negotiating. And they make the most amount of money when a black woman comes to buy a car because they can take advantage and they know that she will not push to get a better deal. Now, that is a picture of America. Because what the Christian does is the Christian says, I'm willing to make less money and sell the cars to everybody no matter what the price is. I'm not going to take advantage of a people because they're different. Do you see, the, do you see what I'm saying? You can apply that same thing to almost every situation when it comes to black and white in America. I'm getting a lot of blank stares, but I hope you see what I'm saying. Tim Keller says this, the righteous are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. We do justice when we give all human beings their due as creations of God. I cannot tell you guys how many times I've talked to wealthy white people 
who have worked hard, who have made a great career and a great family and have amazing homes and amazing cars, and they think it's just because they worked harder than everybody else did. It makes me want to vomit. And I'm not saying, guys, that hard work doesn't get things. I understand that. But you have a unique opportunity. Many of us have unique opportunities. I was raised, the other day I had an experience. Willie got in a car accident. Willie, where are you at? Willie doesn't have family here. Willie calls me. Hey, man, can you come get me? Sure. I go pick him up. He grabs all the stuff out of his car. He puts it in my car. And I take him over to a part of the neighborhood. And I'm thinking to myself, I've never had to live in a neighborhood like this. The way that I was raised with my family, I've never had to. He gets all the stuff out of his car, and he doesn't know. Like this is just, He takes all the stuff out, and he puts it in the middle of the alley, right? And he doesn't, he doesn't have enough hands to carry it or whatever, and I don't realize it at the time. And I pull away, and I see him in my rearview mirror, and there he is, no family, no car, just got in a car accident. No one really to help him in a neighborhood I've never, ever had to be in or would be in. And I'm thinking, like, that sucks. Probably not a big deal to him. This is, what, this is all he knows. But that is a picture of the country that we live in. All right, anyway. Are you hearing my heart, at least? So what I want to do I don't want to be a church that idly stands by, and I think the best thing that we can do is we can get alone with God, we can pray to God when we're by ourselves, we can get in his word and ask him to change our hearts, but today and right now, I want to pray corporately over the situation. So we're going to stand up, not yet, we're going to stand up together. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to all pray out loud together. You can whisper if you want, if you're embarrassed, but there's something about everyone's voice being raised to God over a situation that's powerful. I don't care if you just say Jesus help over and over again. I don't care if, whatever it is. I want us all to cry out for what it is that we should do as a church for the pain that people are experiencing, people of color, anywhere that we're blind. I just want to pray over the entire situation. And I also have some hand-picked people that are going to come up and they're going to pray over us as well. So if I talk to you guys before service, you guys come up, would everyone else stand up with me? Yes, and it wasn't a coincidence. I picked Willie. <laughs> Tiff, will you just, will you guys come play some? Trust me, guys, I know this is not a comfortable service. Can I just play something soft? Play the blessing, that's fine. Couldn't help but think about when we were singing the blessing. It says, may his favor be upon you in a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children. I couldn't help but think about black people. And I was like, man, that's a lot easier song to sing for a white person, isn't it? We've owned this country since it started. Right? But I want it to be true for all people in America. 
Let's just pray. I want to pray, and I want everyone in here to pray out loud if you would. I don't care what you say. You can whisper if you need to, if you're uncomfortable. But I want us all to lift our voices to God over this situation. Father, please, Lord, we we ask that you intervene in this situation, God. That you would come down, Father God, that you would change our hearts. That you would show us what it is that we need to do, Father. That you would give us wisdom, Father. That we would reach out to people that we don't normally talk to. That we would love people that we don't want to love, Father God. That we'd be a catalyst for change in this city and in the Quad Cities, God. That we would unite races once and for all, Father God, because we know that's what heaven is going to look like. Heaven is your people united together, God, in love, loving one another, no matter how different they are. God, we thank you, Lord. We saw it in your son, Jesus. We saw it in the way that he treated people. We saw it in the way that he laid his life down for sinners, God. God, help us to love like you love. Help us to love like you love, Father. Guys, Willie's going to pray over the house real quick. Come on, man. One, two, one, two. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us all together today. We thank you for bringing us together as a family. Um, We thank you. During these times, um, it is chaotic. Everything from the COVID um, to the division, Um, But right now, um, we need you now more than ever. There is anger in the world. There is tension. There is depression. There is anxiety. There is hatred. There is division. And right now, we ask that you step in um, and remove all the things that are are hanging in the world and remove those. Um, Because it's not what you want, Lord, is what that's going on right now, but for us to be one body. There's... There's just, you know, we thank you that there's people in this world that do want to see everybody come together um, and that our hearts are in the right place. But there's also uh, people out there that need you to help soften their heart as well. Um, Because a lot of people don't see a way or a light at the end of the tunnel. And so the first reaction is is to be angry. The first reaction is to to react out um, and we just ask that you come in and, and break the generational chains that um, have been set before us um, only you can do that father there's also pain pain that like i said just brings us back to the never-ending circle that feels like it's a hatred We ask that you come in and put your hand on them and remove that pain, to remove that depression, to remove that anxiety. We are glad that you have people that are fighting for the right cause to all all be just one. Um, It's it's said many times in the Bible that nor female, nor male, nor slave, nor free, but we are all one in Christ. And we need the people, the right, whoever it is, this is the time where you take the unknown person and you bring it to light. Somebody out of the out of the shadows, whether it's a leader, whether it's somebody on the street, and that's the voice. It's your voice that comes out and brings them together. 
it's so easy to pay attention and, and see the things of the world, the news, the outlets, social media, um, and hide behind that. And right now, I think it's the time to, to bring forth everybody's light. I ask that you give us all strength and courage. Um, we don't need a, a cape. We don't need somebody just to, to be the Superman. Um, we just need you to, to give the courage and strength to everybody. And it doesn't have to be out of the norm. It could be when you're simply out getting coffee. It could be simply when you're working out. It could be simply when you're at work. It could be simply when you're on a, on a, on a road trip. But during those moments that, you, that they just come out and, and spread love, they spread peace. Father, we just thank you. Um, during these times, like I said, I'm, you don't want us in this place, and I know it's not what you have for us. So on these times, we ask that you allow us to rely more on you um, to say the things and do the things that needs to be done to, to bring us to your peace. Yeah. In your name. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. We want your heart, Lord. Not our ways, God. Your ways are higher. Your ways are better, Lord. Your ways are humility. Your ways are standing for justice. Your ways are doing things. So God, help us as a church to come together, to stand together, Lord. I just thank you for everyone here, God. I pray for our nation. I pray for, for the wrestling, Lord, everything that's going on, God, that we, we might not have the answers, Lord, but you have the answers, God. So I just pray for wisdom, wisdom and new ideas to bring us closer to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not going to pray as much as I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about a stronghold. Um, I felt like this is the direction that God wanted me to go. Years ago, I still know where I was sitting when I had this uh, revelation from God from hearing a sermon. Back then it was on the TV because we didn't have podcasts and we didn't have uh, social media. But it was a, a sermon called Toehold, Foothold, Stronghold and, and how the enemy works in our lives. And he never comes in like a roaring horned devil dressed in red. 
he slides in there in a tiny crevice and a tiny crack and we begin to have a toehold of wrong thinking and when that little tiny toehold of wrong thinking is not dealt with the next thing we know we have a foothold and after a foothold we have a stronghold what does the word say a stronghold is it says a place in our life where we have built a fortress around it and we are right and other people are wrong or I'm open in this area I'm I'm good in this area well I don't know about you I was raised in this kind of a family we were from Alabama it didn't work well in my home we told jokes like this how do you feel about black people I love black people everybody should have one that was a common joke in my family I don't find that funny anymore do you think that filter and those jokes and those attitudes did not change me and shape me into who I would be as an adult? It did, and it did you. The difference is the Holy Spirit was allowed to come into my life and say, you are not perfect. You are mistaken. You were made and, and formed by human hands while you've been on this earth. Now I want you to take all of that and I want you to throw it like the crown in Revelation at the feet of Jesus and say, you show me who I'm supposed to be. You show me the revelation I should have. If you're white in this room and you don't think that you have privilege going on in your life, I don't even know what to tell you. When my son went to pick up Willie at this wreck, you know what Willie told me? Josiah walked up to the officer and said, Officer, how long is this going to be? I'm really busy. I've got a lot to do. I don't have a lot. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to rush this thing right along. I'll, I'll be done in just a minute. Willie said, I never could have gone to that police officer and said that. I have strongholds. You have strongholds. Are you willing to cast it like a crown at the feet of Jesus? Or do you want to say they're writing and they're wrong? I think we've all seen the, the words that Martin Luther King Jr. used. And he said, riot is the language of an unheard people. I don't have to riot because I'm heard. Please, let's don't focus on the riot. Let's focus on a man that was killed over $20 and the rage in another man's heart. And I don't even want to judge that man because that man probably had reasons to be angry and everything in, but I choose to cast my crown at the throne of Jesus that's so much better than me and so much better than you. Your heart is impure before God, but you know what God says to you? I love you, I want you, I welcome you. Let's peel that stuff back so that Jesus can shine through your life. I have strongholds. Do you have strongholds? Are you willing or are you one of these people that say, I'm not listening to this argument. I have reasons to be, we all have reasons. Black people have reasons, amen? Raise your hand if you are willing to cast your crown before the throne of God. Father, you see these hands. We cannot change this world today, but we can change us today. We can change attitudes of our hearts. We can change strongholds that we've allowed the enemy to slide in. We've made jokes. We have exalted ourselves where we shouldn't have. You're the only one that needs exalted, not by the finery on the way that we've done things, 
God, but you, we haven't done things well. We repent where we haven't done things well. Change us. Just make us open to the correction of the Holy Spirit. Not to condemn us, but to love us into doing better. We are called to operate from a different kingdom that this world operates. Show us the way that kingdom works. Show us Jesus' life more clearly. If Jesus were here, what would he be doing? Because he is here through every one of us. Father, we cast these crowns in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Pray, pray us out, and we'll go into blessing and dismiss. Father, we worship you this morning. Father, I thank you for this word that has come to this house today. Father, I thank you that your church, of all the people that gather together, your church should be the change agent. Your church should be the body of people that come together and represent you well and, and break through these barriers and and, and destroy the spirit of racism and prejudice in our hearts, Lord, because we should look like, what's, what are we going to look like in heaven, Father? That's what we should look like on this earth. Father, I pray that today would be a, the planting of a seed this morning. Lord, even, even though we can't see it all clearly right now, that today a seed has been planted, and it's been planted deep. And Father, you are going to water that seed in every heart in this room this morning. In every heart, you're going to break our hearts. You're going to change our hearts. You're going to transform our hearts. That we're going to look at people like you look at them. Father, we want to, I want to see their color. Because you've created them all in your image, Father. Every race and creed and color. Well, I want to see that. But, Father, I want to see the barriers broken so we can come together and share in that together and share in the, the personalities and the lives. And, oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this seed. Thank you for this seed that you planted this morning. Help us not to run from it, but to embrace it. And say, Father, keep showing us. Keep revealing. Keep opening our hearts for what you're trying to raise up in the Quad Cities, for your glory, in the name of Jesus. All right, guys, Rhiannon's going to say something quick, and then we're going to sing the blessing out together. Um, I hope you guys heard this, though, but I want to hear Rhiannon real quick. All right, I don't do this. Um, I don't get up in front of people, but you all see this little girl I'm holding? Her dad is black. Her grandma is black. She is light-skinned. She is, she looks white, right? People wouldn't know, walking down the street, me holding this little girl. She is black. And it breaks my heart, knowing that if she was one or two shades darker, that she would be hated, that she would be a target. We have to stop this. We have to. Let's sing this song together. Before we go into this song, I'm just going to share something that I feel like the Holy Spirit kind of put in my mind. How many parents are out here? 
lot of parents here. What does it do to your heart when your baby comes up to you crying? They're hurt physically, maybe somebody was mean. And all I could think of what it's doing to the father's heart, that his people sometimes are treating more of his people the way that they're treated. And, I, and it was funny that John said, break my heart for what breaks yours, because that's the song that I kept thinking. I believe it's Hosanna, and it, there's just the bridge that says, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I think that that should be our prayer today as we go into this song. Let's sing the Lord bless you. Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face toward you and give you peace let's sing that again the lord bless you the lord bless you
thousand generations May your family and your children Their children, their children Sing it again May his favor be upon you And a thousand generations And your family and your children Their children their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping and rejoicing Father, we pray right now, Lord, that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours, Lord. God, I ask as we move forward in this time, God, that we would have more understanding, that we would have more grace. God, that your Holy Spirit is stronger inside of us than however we were raised. God, that your truth is our truth, regardless of how our feelings and our emotions get messed up in it, Lord, that your truth is our truth no matter what, Jesus. So God, if our minds and our hearts are going the wrong way, God, we, we submit it to you right now. And we say, come Holy Spirit, come into our lives, especially in this area, God. If we can't change our hearts, how are we going to change your world, Jesus? God, we thank you that you're using us. We thank you that you're using us. We know you don't need us, God, but you choose us. And we thank you for choosing us, Jesus. God, I thank you that as we go out, that we are being the hands and feet of Jesus, Lord. I saw a quote that says, it's not about not seeing color. It's about having understanding. It's about seeing your children the way you see them, God. God, help us to love the way you love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Rock Church. You are dismissed.